0: This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello everyone and welcome to the Current Affairs podcast with Will and Ben. Hello Ben. Now, you may note the lack of response to my greetings to Ben earlier in the episode. That is because... I am, in the words of Jason Derulo, riding solo this week. My co-host is is unavailable, Um, so it is just me. So for all those of you that only tune in to listen to Ben, this is probably an appropriate time to tune out. I'm joking. Please don't. No, this is the Current Affairs podcast with Will and Ben. This is our our weekly news discussion programme. But we are not, once again, bringing to you the biggest news stories of the week instead we are going to be continuing with our interview series and uh this week i i keep saying we it's actually quite sad i am delighted to welcome um jackie doyle price mp uh she is a the conservative member of parliament for Thurrock, and is actually the successor In that seat to uh, one of our previous guests, in fact, our first uh, political interviewee that we had on the show, Andrew McKinley. Um, So please enjoy the interview with Jackie. She was a uh, fantastic guest, Um, and do bear in mind that this uh, episode was shot about a week ago, Um, perhaps more than that. So. There could have been changes in the political landscape between the time of recording and the time of release. So please forgive any sort of out of date uh, observations made during the interview uh, as, yeah, things might have changed. But yes, enjoy. It was a it is a fantastic interview um, and we hope you very much enjoy what um, what's. Uh, Jackie and I had to say so thank you. Uh, Hello everyone this is the interview section now of the podcast and I'm uh, delighted to welcome Jackie Doyle Price MP uh, to the show. Hi Jackie how are you this afternoon? I'm very well thank you good to be with you. Yes good to to see you too. Um, Sort of to start I'd like to sort of start at the uh, beginning as it were, and sort of talk about your time at Durham. Uh, everyone listening to this basically will be a Durham student. So, sort of, do you have any fond memories of your time at Durham? I see you were at Castle College, so I
1: was indeed. I was in at Castle, but you know what? It's 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 so long ago. You <laughs> made me feel really old by asking me <laughs> that question. Thank Sorry. you for that, um, Yeah, I mean, I, I had a fantastic three years at Durham. Um, I mean, it's a great city. Uh, you know, I, I was there in. You know, I went up in 1988, and uh, I was actually the second year intake of girls. So up until 1987, it had been an all male college. Um, so it's quite a peculiar atmosphere. And you know, being um, a comprehensive girl, school educated girl from a council estate in Sheffield, I. Uh, Naively thought, oh, I want to go and live in a castle, so I applied to, to Durham. And uh, yes, it was quite a revelation to me. But yeah, it was great; I had a great time. And and you know, you, you make friends at Durham that are with you for the rest of your life, most yes. definitely.
0: Well, we we a lot of us are leaving sort of the end of this year, so we we hope that remains yeah, no, true for yeah, us. <laughs> you, will,
1: you will definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, so was it was it your time at Durham that drove you to get? sort of involved in politics to the extent that you are, or was it something
1: else? Actually, well, my involvement in politics uh, started before I, I went to Durham. Um, I was active in the Durham Union, and I was a vice chairman of the Durham University Conservative Association. But uh, no, I my interest in politics started as a teenager, and uh, it was when my parents wanted to buy their council house. and uh, That was what we wanted to you know, at the time in 1983, when Margaret Thatcher's Prime it was one of her great social reforms. And uh, being in what we used to call the Socialist Republic of South Yorkshire in Sheffield, <laughs> um, the, the Labour Party did everything they could to make that difficult for my parents. And and that just sparked an interest uh, in me, uh, which just made me get involved in politics. And I just continued with that. And then one day I just decided, oh, some of these MPs are a bit rubbish. I think I could do a better job. So <laughs> I decided to pursue it myself. But um, yeah, and, and I think you, you find that. I, I, mean, there are, you know, I remember my contemporaries at, at uh, Durham who were involved in student politics at the time included Graham Brady and Robert Buckland, uh, yes. who of course uh, are now my contemporaries here. Um, uh, but also lots of the people that were involved in politics in a much bigger way uh at durham uh, haven't pursued uh, political careers so yes it's a we all have different journeys here but there's there's no doubt that your university experience does influence you one way or another
0: yeah um it's interesting you mentioned robert Buckham because actually we've had him on the show uh last term and of says similar similar things to you about being involved with um politics at durham so yeah that is that is interesting um next sort of how did you what was your sort of process in becoming a member of parliament we asked this particularly because we have interviewed your predecessor in Thurrock um, ah, Andrew McKinley yes uh, indeed. So, so we're interested to sort of hear how you came to be the member for Thurrock um in 2010 I think it was yes
1: yeah. well and Andrew Andrew's a great great friend and he's been through quite a journey himself actually now he's a Liberal Democrat councillor yes fact. yes uh, but, um, yes, I mean, it, it, I always say it's a bit like the X Factor. When you, when you decide to become a, a member of Parliament, you obviously know, you have to find uh, an association that's going to let you stand on their behalf. So you kind of go around the country saying, pick me, I'm maybe the best MP you could ever have. And, and, and the weird thing about it is that you, you, end, up, you end up being selected for a place where that is actually spiritually your home really, in that respect. So, I mean, for me, you know, I come from, you know, in the, an in, the industrial north, which obviously Thorough isn't in the industrial north, but it is a very much an industrial uh, collection of towns. So it's, you know, it, it, is, it is socially, in terms of social class, very much who I represent. They're people I get, uh, if you mm. like. And in 2010, you know, it was, we were facing uh, in Thorac a majority of seven, a notional majority for Labour of seven and a half thousand. So on the face of it, it wasn't a winnable seat. It certainly wasn't on uh, the Conservative Party's targets, really. It was it was seen as a, well, if we do really well, we might win that. Uh, uh, but but I just, just was determined to do the best I could because I recognised that actually un- unless we win places like Thurrock, we aren't ever going to form a government. Mm. So so that was really it. I, I applied for Thurrock because I knew I could. Uh, reflect the interests of those people and you have to communicate with those people. I mean, you have a very different set of conversations with people in Thorough than you would have in Surrey, for example. It's just it, it's just a complete... It's just different. Um, in, you know, there's no better or worse. It's just different. It's yeah, it's a much more gritty kind of conversation. Um, and here I, here I am now. I mean, as so, so I was selected in 2007, I can remember seeing Andrew McKinley at the European election count in 2009. Uh, which, that was an amusing election campaign because it was basically me and two other guys in the back of my car, but we managed to win. <laughs> <laughs> we managed to win and uh, you know I, I commiserated with uh, Andrew as Labour was scrapping out for third and fourth place with the BNP. And again, it's worth remembering that at that time in Sorok, there was quite a big right wing presence uh, there as well, which. Which we collectively took on. Um, so yeah, it's basically it was a, it was always going to be a tough fight, but it was it wasn't a fight I ran away from, and uh, and so it proved I was elected.
0: Yeah, well that that's uh, that's interesting. Quite a lot of my family are uh, from Thorik, actually. That's, right. that's how we managed to get. as well, so I know Andrew from before. So yeah. And so whereabouts uh, in Thuric? Where
1: do they come from? Gr- Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, my sort of mum's side of the family are all from there, so...
1: Oh, good. Uh, are they it. still there?
0: Yes, yeah, so my my is. Oh, right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in your constituency, Excellent. actually, so... Um, <laughs> um, but no, that's, uh, that's um, very interesting. So, moving on, um, what sort of constitutes your day-to-day life as an MP? Sort of what kind of issues do you get involved with? What kind of stuff do you get up to? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, there is. You know, there's no two days alike when you remember parliament, and you you find yourself pursuing things that you didn't think you ever would, just because they become interesting. Um, I mean, my my, I, I'm quite a busy backbencher, and um, because it's because there is, as I describe it, the, the port's capital of the UK. I do lots of stuff on maritime, and I chair the all-party group there, and. There's an awful lot to do on that agenda because it's one that's not been particularly championed and obviously it's become very sexy because of freeports. so there's lots of lots of So that that takes a lot of time Mm -hmm. Um, because i used to be a health minister uh, people often come to me with health issues uh, and there is an awful lot going on in the whole context of women's health which is quite interesting But but obviously with the pandemic being (laughs) it, health is is pretty much center stage. And it's been really great to have got involved with doing much more to champion pharmacy because whenever we talk about the NHS, we just talk about this great institution. We forget that actually there's an awful lot of private providers that are involved in delivering services and pharmacists have been treated like a Cinderella for an awfully long time. Um, I'm a member of two select committees, so I sit on women inequalities, and I sit in on public administration, on constitutional affairs, and that particular committee um, has become very, very interesting because we deal with things like standards of behaviour, ministerial code, all that. So things like Green Sill, and you know all the fallout from that. Uh, we're obviously interested in making sure that all ministers keep the ministerial code. So that's also uh, been quite political um, of late. Yes. And then the big picture issues about, you know, what happens to the union going forward? You know, we've got devolution um, and still we don't really have functioning uh, structures that properly reflect what should be UK and what should be devolved. And where does England sit in in that? so it all, I'm, I'm telling you all this, I find it really interesting, but I'm aware, as I'm saying it, that I come across really nerdy. No, no, it's <laughs> but, interesting. But your, 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 your listeners who are studying politics will, will uh, would find it, find it a good, good, good material for a dissertation,
0: I think. Yeah, well, we have, we have quite a few of those, so, so they'll <laughs> no, appreciate what you
1: have to say. <laughs> but obviously, um, that's the most important thing, some of the stuff that you do for your constituents is actually the most interesting and rewarding. Yeah. And, and they're all kinds of things, everything from I don't know, you know, getting someone rehoused, getting somebody's visa status confirmed, and, you know, getting a drug approved by the NHS that's going to change their lives, right down to just attending a fundraiser that you know just to give them some profile. I mean, there's just a massive array of things that you get involved with in member parliament.
0: Yeah, um, and of all that, what would you? Is there any sort of specific thing or issue that you've done or got involved with that you would say is these, the most uh, significant? As it were, I see you are Parliamentary Undersecretary of State for Suicide Prevention and Mental Health, or is there is there something that really stands out in your parliamentary career?
1: So within the constituency, I'd say the proudest thing I did was bringing Harris Academies to Thurrock. So I mean, when, when we started with a free school programme, Um, I mean, we've had a massive expansion in Thoreau now, but I I personally led the campaign for three free schools. But as part of that, I also brought Harris in to take over a school. And they're now run four schools in thorrock And the very fact of them coming in has just injected some competition to school and all the schools are doing better. So, you know, I, I feel quite proud that I played my role in making sure that all children in Thoreau get the best possible education they can. And that's, you know, I mean, frankly, what are we here for if not to get the best public services for our constituents? That's got to be top of the list. In respect of being Minister for uh, Mental Health, I mean, the, you, you end up, again, covering all kinds of things as a, as a minister. Uh, one of the things that I, that I was very pleased to do was to work, with, um, work with, uh, with Dan Jarvis in the Labour Party. He had a private members bill and decided to use it to uh, change the law on organ donation to make more transplants available. So uh, I effectively jumped on that. We, um, and we worked, worked together to achieve that change in the law, which we believe is saving an extra 100 lives a year. So again, wow. you, yeah. you, you've got to, yeah, you, I mean, ultimately, you know, I judge what I do by the outcomes I achieve. Some politicians judge their success by how many column inches they generate. But, you know, no, I, I don't, I mean, I, I I, tend to have more of a workforce view of, of what politics is for, because ultimately, you know, the state takes away a lot of our earned income and a lot of our liberties. So we've got to make sure it delivers for us. That's really how I approach my job as a parliamentarian. Yeah,
0: it's, it's interesting that you mention working with Dan Jarvis from the Labour Party, actually, because it, that sort of let our viewers know that actually there's a far more sort of collaboration there is.
1: behind the it's scenes. All than you see it on Primaries Questions. That's just theatre, you know. So i nice say yeah. it's the cheapest theatre in in the West End, really. I I, I sit in the theatre seats that you know, <laughs> to see a real thing. But yeah, once you get away from that, there's huge amounts of collaboration, as there should be.
0: Yeah, I'd say Primus Questions is quite good theatre at the
1: moment, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Boris can perform, can't he? he? Is, let's, he be, let's be frank. Uh, sometimes meal. it's been painful in the past
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's funny you funny you mentioned Boris actually I, I I'd sort of quite like to move on to asking you for sort of your views on the current uh political landscape as it were so I hate to sort of ask the um the obvious one, <laughs> but what do you what do you make of the prime minister's current situation I mean John major, made some pretty incendiary Mm. comments this morning. I I just wonder what your sort of view of the overall party gate um, situation is. How long have we got? (laughs) I can can
1: speak for a long time about this. Um, Right. The first thing I'll say. I'm a huge fan of John Major. In fact, I was at Durham when he became Prime Minister. I can remember those days very well when we were all very excited about who the new Prime Minister was going to be. I can remember where I was. (laughs) Um, I can re- in fact, I can remember where I was when Margaret Thatcher was deposed. I was in I was in a study room in Hatfield College. Oh really? Yes, indeed. Um, anyway, I digress. So John Major it has to be remembered. John Major has received more votes uh, than any uh, prime minister in any general election at fourteen million. So, I mean, what you said about Boris Johnson's popularity and. Because he's a, he's supported by the Brexit faction, if you like. They're very dismissive of John Major. But I think you know, I like to remind people of that. He John Major had more popular support than any other Prime Minister. And it was ra- a rather similar coalition to what's elected Boris Johnson in 2019, I might add. He did actually he, he did have a lot of votes in what we now call the Red Wall, but you know, you would call you know sort of so social classes C1, C2. Um he doesn't make interventions that often. So, when he does, they're quite important because he's a former prime minister. And I, and I think when he talks about standards, it is important, actually. And I, again, one of the reasons why I sit on the Public Administration Committee is because of that. And, you know, prior to the whole party gates thing, I mean, you know, the prime minister has shown that he has, he has a cavalier disregard for rules, which I don't think is quite right. I I, I really don't and you know we've seen that he's shown a reluctance to enforce the ministerial code against his colleagues when he should have done you know and it led to the the resignation of uh, his previous advisor when he refused to take the recommendations about Peter Patel for example so but we always knew that we always knew that about this prime minister you know one, one of the reasons I didn't support him to become leader was because I knew this is how he'd behave because he's, he's spent all his life behaving like this. So we can't, we can't claim to be surprised. However, that is the prime, that's the Conservative Party's choice and indeed the public's choice. we are elected with a majority. So he's our prime minister and you know, the king is there, long live the king. I, I will, you know, he has my loyalty as a Conservative member of parliament because he's, he's there fair and square. Um, I think one of the issues about party gates and I find it really irritating I mean, I think it's the chapworm's clute. He has an interest in this, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs>
0: yes, he does. <laughs>
1: yes. So, and I've no doubt he's got lots more material, actually. Which, but it, but it's changing our politics into a soap opera. And I yeah. don't like that. I mean, we, the world is quite a dangerous place right now. You know, we've got Russia messing around on the eastern border of borders of Europe, not just in Ukraine, but also Moldova and throughout the Balkans into um, uh, Bosnia as well. We've also got China. China's now starting to mess around in Nepal. Uh, we've still got issues with the pandemic. We are going to have huge economic fallout from the, from the actions we've taken in response to the pandemic. These are what our politics should be concentrating on, not pictures of, of what might be described as parties. And the, the really irritating thing about this is that each of these events were reported at the time and they have suddenly become this huge story because all these photographs have been packaged up in, in one go. And I, I, I mean I was out knocking on doors uh, on Saturday and and uh, somebody said somebody went into all about uh, the primates and oh you should go you should go and I said I said what is it he's actually done wrong? And they were a bit flux because because actually when you when when it comes down to it, there isn't anything because what we're conflating here is the fact that at number 10, number 10 is both the prime minister's residence and the working government department. And in its context as a working government department, this is where most of these parties have taken place. And in that sense, the prime minister hasn't done anything wrong, other than the fact he just sits on top of a, of an organization that's become dysfunctional, but that's not entirely due to him, actually. We've been been going this way for quite some time, This has just sort of brought it to a head. The one occasion he was present, he has actually uh, addressed in the House of Commons, so unless unless we find something from the police investigations, I really don't think this is anything other than just embarrassing and designed to damage the credibility uh, with the public. Many of whom are very angry, but, but frankly are being played and being played by a lazy media that, you know, they get this nice collection of pictures sent to their computers via social media. It's easy copying, but it's rubbish journalism. And it doesn't make for good government, really.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, that's thank you for being so um, open (laughs) or honest on that issue. I mean, that's uh, (laughs) that that is that is, um, yeah, it is interesting to see how much sort of every time a picture is released, the media sort of is. I mean, there was a recent one of him wearing a sort of tinsel and a crown or something, and people went, yeah, which
1: and which we know was done by Zoom.
0: yeah. um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's ridiculous, but but it's but it yeah, it's one of those. Who was it? Who said, it was Ronald Reagan who said, "When you're explaining, you're losing." So yeah. once once that image is out there, which it now is, you know, whatever the prime minister says, nobody's going to believe him. But yeah, the the public's taken a view that he's been having lots of parties, whether yeah, whatever the truth of the matter is. And the, I mean, the, and the truth of the matter is, let's remind ourselves, COVID. Nearly killed him. You know, if you've spent days in intensive care, you aren't going to be cavalier about the rules regarding COVID. You're really not. So it's not believable. But I, you know, it's, I, I actually, I am despaired about the, the, the amount of attention that's going, uh, but being paid to it. I really mm. am. Disappointing. This is not what I got involved in politics for.
0: No, no. Well, that is. Uh... It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out with the investigation. Um, uh, And sort of finally, you mentioned the sort of wider geopolitical issues that you 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 think we should be sort of paying more attention to. So what do you make of the situation with, I mean, I'm going to say Russia and Ukraine is probably the big big one really, isn't it? What do you make of all that?
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if I was Vladimir Putin and I was looking at, what the British press were focusing on, I'd be laughing. I really, really would, and I, again, I again growing up in the eighties, Jack, you're making me feel so old because I'm like <laughs> looking at you, thinking, God, he's, God he probably wasn't even born this century. <laughs> <I'm> so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, the reality is, growing up in the nineteen eighties, you know, when we had nuclear weapons and we had the, you know, the the, uh, the uh, Soviet Union was there and the, that whole Eastern Bloc. And, and you know, it was a very much, you know, freedom and Congress as communism kind of thing. If we, we lived under daily threat, uh, you know, uh, an ever present threat of nuclear war, but what we have right now is much scarier, I think. Um, it Well, part of, there are actually more tools now for, for, for bad actors to prosecute wars. I mean, we know we're in the constant fire from cyber terrorism, for example. We, we know that a lot of this is used, a, a lot of activities used to influence elections. We know we've we've seen that uh, happen as well. So there is so much that, that leads the world to be a lot less stable. It should be now. I'm pleased to see the government taking this very seriously. This trust is out there now. Um, mm. the prime minister is giving it his attention, but you know, I do. We need to make much better effort having constructive relationships with other powers, but they have to want to, yeah. And, and I think that's what's really, really changed. And I do think also that we in the West needs to do a lot more to support Russia's neighbors. Um, because, you know, I mean, Russia has been in occupation of, of uh, they sort of annex countries all the time. They're, they're, they've got uh, land in Moldova, they have no, no intention of leaving. So they're constantly in a state of aggression. And, and for those people living in those countries who have been brave and standing up to them, they really deserve more support from us. I, I hope they feel they're getting it now. I mean, I'm, I'm very worried about Bosnia, I have to say. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Bosnia after the war, doing various reconciliation uh, things. And really, Bosnia feels now like it did back in the early 90s, where, you know, Russia encouraging the, the Republic of Serbs to, to do a bit of saber rattling And I don't really think that... Yeah, you know, having having expended all that energy in going into Bosnia in the nineties to support the uh, Bosnians and to 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 uh, make peace, we've turned we've we've really turned our back on it and we've just let the, the situation recreate itself, which just isn't satisfactory at all. So I do worry about instability, and I think that will I think we're going to have quite a lot of it over this coming decade. I have to say, and uh, I think i would encourage all all these you, you students to pay very close attention to, to what is is happening here because you know we we are great britain and uh, yeah. we do need to show our moral fiber and leadership in the world and it'll be your generation that has to continue that work
0: yes well no pressure on us
1: then <laughs> <laughs> well, well you need to do a better job than your previous generations actually that's that's the truth that's <laughs>
0: That's what we aim, that's what we aim. Um, we were actually, it is, it is interesting, we were speaking to Matt Warman the other day. Oh, yes. And um, we were sort of saying that we were, were a bit annoyed that we thought we'd get a bit of respite after COVID, but sort of the country's been hit with these <laughs> all these issues, um, and it's, which it's, it's makes quite interesting as, a, as an observer. I,
1: I would say, actually, I that I think we have had 50 years worth of politics in six years. I think the... Um, Ever since the referendum, our politics has just been quite well. Just it's just very full on, very divisive, and very, very dynamic. Yeah. So yeah, I, we, we could do with a bit of boring, really, could not we?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, as a sort of I was sort of a young teenager when the when the when the referendum happened, and since then I feel quite lucky to have lived through sort of and being able to observe it. But I can imagine for sort of agents in the political sphere, it's been a bit. <laughs> um, Stressful at times, maybe. Yes, I've aged. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Um, well, I think, thank you, uh, Jackie, very much for uh, chatting to me uh, today. Pleasure. Uh, your, your answers have been very uh, interesting. I'm sure our listeners will be um, very happy to hear what you've had to say. So thank you. Um,
1: You're um, very thanks. welcome. Thank you.
0: And so that was the interview with Jackie Doyle Price, MP. Again, uh, thank you so much to Jackie for chatting to us, to us, to me, to me, and uh, giving uh, The Current Affairs podcast your time uh, to tell us about your time at Durham and your career and your opinions on what's been going on in the British political scene. Um, And thank you to her parliamentary assistant for arranging this interview. we will be going out again next week with more political interviews. This is this is merely the beginning of our of our uh, deluge of insights uh, from various guests that we're going to be getting uh, throughout the coming weeks on the Current Affairs podcast. Ben will be back next week. Don't worry, uh, it won't be another solo episode from me. Um, you can find us basically anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You type in Purple Radio and look for the Current Affairs Podcast with Will and Ben. You'll find us there. Um, Please follow us on Instagram at the Current Affairs Podcast. And I think without any further ado, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Please tune in next week for our next interview. Uh, And just from me this week, thank you very much. Thank you for listening and see you later. Goodbye.